All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're post-draft here now, and we're getting ourselves ready to go for the new season. Uh, oh, yeah. On episode number 47 today uh, for our uh, our upcoming episode here, recording on the Monday. Uh, things Just getting things a little bit early because we got some football back going on in PA. So coaching football tomorrow, so Tuesday recording ain't going to happen. So recording Monday here for, for our upcoming episode number 47 here, post-draft risers and fallers. So before we get into the action here, we'll say hello to the fellows today, and uh, we'll start things off by uh, saying hello to Zach. Zach, uh, how, uh, how have you been doing the last couple weeks? Been doing okay. The, uh, the nice weather's made biking to work a, uh, an everyday occurrence, so that's been nice. Been saving some money on gas. Yeah, um, I'll take any sort of discount I can get on gas at this point in time. <laughs> absolutely unreal. Armin, how about yourself? What's been keeping you busy? Oh, you know, not too much. Kind of online with Zach there, wanting to save gas. I just found out that uh, the federal government increased the uh, the breadth of the uh, the electric vehicle rebate to cover plug-in hybrid vehicles, and I've been looking at getting one of those. So um, that just has given me more motivation to actually go out and uh, trade in our old Jeep and get a get a new plug-in hybrid that. Uh, We'll hopefully not have to use any fuel when we're driving around in the city. Got to pick up a couple extra sponsors here to help Armin out <laughs> on the price of a new hybrid over there. Yeah, get me a new car. Let's go. Yeah. I've been, uh, man, it's been, it's been a good time. I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the draft there and got the NHL playoffs are starting now. NBA playoffs are well, they're well into round two. So there's been lots to watch on TV, which has been kind of nice. But uh, I know this part of the time of year, I don't know about you guys, but the NFL draft is that kind of like, you know, free agency happened, NFL draft, you know, eyes are forward to the new the new season. I don't know, what do you guys think? Yeah, who cares Absolutely. about the NHL and NBA playoffs? Let's go draft. Best part, I got I got my my big money dynasty rookie draft. It's going to be on Wednesday, so by the time this episode drops, we're drafting that morning. Um, the league that we're all three in, our keep, or our, I, I consider my home league, I think we're on May 11th, I think, is our rookie draft, if I'm not mistaken. So that one's coming up pretty quick, so we 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 got some football to talk about here, and it's been that's been good. So so I'm super pumped about that. But uh, before we get started here, uh, I will give a quick shout out. Uh, we did our draft day giveaway, and we pulled up the the winning name on the Saturday after the draft had concluded. Uh, and the winner with got a 306 fantasy football hat. Uh, they ended up receiving five rookie cards. Uh, you know, throwing a couple pretty good rookies in there too is a pretty good little take home. And then as well as a free entry into our 2022 charity league as well, too. So big congratulations to uh, Mason Hawks, who is our winner of the draft day giveaway. I uh, reached out to him on social media, so he's super excited. And we'll uh, we'll get a picture of him with his new swag and we'll throw that up on the socials. But big congratulations to Mason Hawks. Congrats, um, man. That being said, we got the uh, the hat still for sale for 35 bucks. If you're interested in that, give us a little uh, message on the old DMs and we can uh, we can get set up with with a through a six fantasy football hat um before we get started here um i got a little story to tell you guys this this is a little impromptu it literally came on my desk like uh i don't know maybe 15 minutes ago and i want to hear what you think about this so talking about going into the new season i had a buddy message me and obviously he knows i run the podcast big fantasy football guy uh they run a saskatoon buddies league and he goes okay i want to i want you to know like i want to know what you think about this so he was in the finals championship week last year and he's in an IDP league. Okay. 
He ended up losing by two points in the finals. So they split the proceeds 70 30. 70% of the funds went to the winner, and he received 30% as a secondary, uh, finishing second place. Okay. He said, yeah, I ended up handing it out on the, I think the Tuesday they did the payouts, moved on. They were going to do their keepers. He opens up his app. He was the winner. There was a stack correction on the Wednesday. Nobody looked at it. So oh. Darius Leonard got, got a record for a fourth <laughs> fumble, so he got five extra points. So he ended up winning by three points. Oh. He said, what the heck do we do? We already paid him out 70 or the 70%. I got 30%. He's got the trophy. So well, what do we do? So I said, well, I'll tell you what I thought, and I want to hear what your guys think here too, and then I'll tell you kind of where they're at right now because it is the SAG has not concluded yet. But <laughs> I said, well, I said, there, you won. You're the winner. So I said, I'd be messaging the guy side, like in the, in the side message, um, and say, you know, like, and kind of try and figure it out amongst the two of you. Worst case, if you guys can't figure it out, then I'd be, then I'd be messaging the commissioner. Commissioner said, you make a decision. But, I mean, to me – He's the winner. He won. But is there a statute of limitation to the point where you can go back and pick up your W? I want, I want to hear what you think. Let's go uh, Zach first, and then we'll go to Armin. Zach, Zach, what do you think? What's, what do you think they should do in this situation here? So <clears throat> I guess without knowing all the context, um, I'll compare it to the league I won this year. I won just short of $1,000 um, in December, and I put all of that money onto my tuition. It was spent within two weeks. Um, I do not have an extra thousand dollars kicking around right now. So the, your buddy there that won, you know, maybe he gets the name on the trophy, that little placard on the trophy, but uh, you can forget me paying you back. Not a chance. <laughs> what about you, Arm? What do you think would happen if that, if that was you? You know, I'm I'm on the exact same wavelength as Zach there. Like that money is spent, it's gone. Um, I don't think like it's it's so late that you can't ask for that money back, I don't think. Um, but you can ask for your name to be put on that trophy. I think that definitely should be done, that the name should be put on the trophy and that he be given the title as league winner and that other guy hasn't won that so year. So, for example, like Zach, you said, say it's a thousand bucks. Seventy percent, obviously, that'd be seven hundred bucks to the winner, three hundred bucks to second place. You'd be arguing to try and get four hundred bucks from the other guy. That's a good chunk of change to try and try and also be like, hey, by the way, let's cough this up. So, what I ended up proposing, I said, you know, I think worst case on Terra, I think I'd message the guy and say, split it fifty-fifty. Say it was a thousand bucks, I got seven hundred, I got three hundred. You you give me two hundred bucks, or I guess in this case, you could do the league binds for that year. And then he's going to get the trophy. So I think that's kind of what they're working on right now. I said, you know, at least that way, there's no, no winner or loser. You know, you, you're splitting the money right down the middle and then the guy gets his name on the trophy. I think that's what they're trying to work out, but I don't know the details. It could be a lot more money than that could be a lot less. Obviously if it's less money, it's not as big of a deal. If you're chipping a guy 50 bucks, it's okay. It's 50 bucks. It's not that bad, but if it's a thousand dollars, that's a lot of money to be thrown around there. So yeah. Well, and the, the argument goes both ways, right? Like, yeah, it's easy to chip a guy $50. It's also easy to let a $50 go and be like, oh, yeah, whatever. It was just 50 bucks. Whereas, like, yeah, if it's a big money league where it's like you could have won a few grand, then it's like, well, I'm owed a few grand. But then the other guy, it's like, well, I spent a few grand. I don't just have a few grand sitting around, right? So, And, Nick, this has been what? Because that would have been January? Like, I'm thinking yeah. when we wrapped up would have been 
It was yeah. We, uh, we watched. I got, I got paid up, during, during I got paid up for mine before New Year's. It was because yeah. we watched um, like, your house the ramen during two or three the days. Night. Yeah, two or three days after Christmas. It's almost yeah. half a year. Five months. It's been yeah, five it's months. It's been a long time. So I think in a situation you know, like in ours, like we're our league, we have the cumulative uh, the cumulative rule where if you win X amount of times, you get the empire pot. That's where it becomes big to say like, no, I actually won because that's the chance of winning the big bucks, right? Like it's yeah, especially in those dynasty leagues where like I think for example, I win three hundred bucks in our league, but then my name goes towards the accumulation where now if I win two more times, I get that like massive pot. That's more important I think than the actual three hundred dollars winning at at that point, but. I'm one thing you could do with this one because it's you uh, could it's do as well. Sorry, Armin. Oh, like a few few other ideas that you could do as well is like maybe the guy if he doesn't get the money, maybe he gets free entry into this year. Or the yeah, the guy pays for his, or or if you do have an empire pot, maybe you take a little bit out of the empire pot just to kind of get that guy a little bit. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. I'm going to have to message him after this because I said, hey, can I talk about this in the pod? I said, I've never heard this before. He goes, yeah, man, go for it. I was like, this, this is so bizarre. Yeah, we got to talk about this. So, Well, stack correction, it's so rare, but let championship alone a championship week. week? Holy crap. I'll be honest. If it was me, I'd have been checking for like a week straight just to see if there was a chance if I lost by two points in the championship. Zach, I think I beat you by 20 points. I'm sure you're still looking for stack corrections. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe like AJ Brown was ineligible or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, his points with Tennessee no longer count. We'll get to that later. But. <laughs> um, so talking a little bit about the uh, insiders and headliners, let's get her going. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. I'm Ron Burgundy. So most of the news here is going to be implicated by the draft and how the draft ended up unfolding. So we'll just do a bit of a draft recap first, and then we'll kind of get into the big trades that happened throughout the draft. But I think, um, I mean, you do mock drafts like crazy and you get, you fall in love with certain prospects. And then when the draft comes, it's like, Oh, it hurts your soul to watch the guys fly down the, uh, the fly down the board. And I think that could be no more of effect than how a lot of people viewed maybe the quarterbacks, I think more than anybody, uh, other than that's maybe Christian Watson, I guess, is another guy that maybe slid down the board a little bit further than people anticipated. But um, we'll talk about, first of all, Canadians drafted, and then we put this on the socials, but we got John Menchie, uh, who ended up going to Houston um, in the second round. I think it was pick 44, uh, Canadian, uh, one of three. We also had two defensive players. Uh, we had Dean Leonard, and, and we had Jesse Lutka, uh, who went both in round seven, first to the Chargers and second to the Cardinals. So it's always nice to see a couple Canadians in the mix. I know there's I think one other signed as a UDFA right after, and I think two or three more got invited to uh, rookie camps too. So we might be able to kind of have a maybe extra news to talk about guys uh, coming into the league here in the next couple of weeks, would be, which would be really exciting. Obviously, growing the game here in Canada, but uh, John Menchie was a no-brainer. There's a couple other guys that we thought maybe would kind of get in the mix too, but it's always nice to see the addition of some Canadians in the league. But uh, Armin, you want to talk about Mr. Irrelevant? Uh, you know, I... I just typed it in there because I thought we, we need to put it in just at least to say his name, right? Uh, yeah, Mr. Irrelevant this year is Brock Purdy. He's a QB, and he got drafted by the 49ers. Um, the last guy coming off the board not on the seventh round there. So um, I, I don't think there's a chance he ever really sees an NFL field except maybe in an exhibition game. But they got their, their future there, and they got a few other QBs, I think, hanging around too so yeah 
pretty pretty irrelevant as far as football goes, but always fun to see which name it is. Yeah, this one might say it's pretty irrelevant. Pretty unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> where's that? Where's that little drum? I got to get that drum going here. Hold on. There we go. Yeah, this was. Like, I would say this draft was like. Basically, if you pay any sort of attention to the offseason, this draft followed suit. Like, it was the first thing, eight picks, ten picks, just kind of like bang, bang, bang in a row. The draft stayed pretty status quo. And then the trades started going crazy. And, and it's not not uncommon to see some trades happen in the first round. You know, guys want to trade out for some guys. But it's pretty uncommon to see two extremely impactful players be traded in the first round. Uh, we're talking about A.J. Brown and talking about uh, Hollywood Brown. Uh, so we'll get Bad into some of our yeah, bad day to be a Brown. Did did uh, Antonio Brown get traded there too? Maybe for a seventh round pick or something. <laughs> you know, had the trifecta, but um, we'll talk about our favorite picks here in a second. But AJ Brown, I think that was a huge shocker, and I think this is a like I thought this was an unbelievable deal for Philadelphia. They ended up trading him. I think it was for the 18th pick, and then it might have been like for a fifth rounder attached to that too. I can't remember off the top of my head, but and you're looking at the 18th pick. There wasn't much left for wide receiver. I think. Uh, Dotson went maybe the 16th or something like that. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head here. I didn't don't have the sheet in front of me, but there wasn't much left for wide receiver and Philadelphia wanted to walk away at the wide receiver and uh, they pull off this big pick for, for AJ Brown, which I would say is head and shoulders above any of the wide receiver prospects. Cause the, I think the big thing to take away is AJ Brown's proven it, right? He's a big body receiver. That's been successful at the NFL level where these rookie prospects, there's no guarantee they're going to be successful, but I think the major question people are going to wonder about this one, and maybe we'll start with Zach here, and then I'll come to uh, Armin for Hollywood take. But uh, AJ Brown, if you're an AJ Brown owner, or if you're a Devonta Smith owner, is there any sort of uh, maybe a head scratcher or, or concern if you're one of those owners, or or are you kind of being like, you know, one's a big body type receiver and the other guy's a reception receiver? I think we're we're going to be okay. Well, what are you thinking? Well, AJ Brown last year had. 105 targets in 13 games. So he has shown that he is a competent target, like beast. Like he can handle large amount of targets. Um, looking at the, the Eagles, um, I think they are in a position where they can possibly provide players with more targets. After Smith, who had 104 um, it goes to Goddard, who had 76, and then Quez Watkins, uh, 62, uh, Jalen Rager, 57. So you just delete Jalen Rager. And <laughs> you could have told me that pre draft. <laughs> yeah, you're, like you're, you're half the way there. So yeah. I think this is the, a really good compliment to what Smith brings to the fold. Um, both players can make impacts at or near the line of the scrimmage. Um, and then you have that big body with Brown who can make plays uh, over the middle. And then you have Smith uh, stretching the field. So I think they should complement each other nicely. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a really good get for the Eagles. And I'll talk more about that in a few minutes, I think. Yeah, maybe um, more of a, maybe more of a shot at like a guy like, Goddard where he was maybe anticipating the actual the receptions there in the big body where that might be the bigger hit to Goddard than it is maybe a Devonta Smith. Certainly so. I would agree. Yeah. 
Then Armin, we'll, we'll talk. We'll get your take on this one. Secondary trade, obviously, Hollywood Brown of uh, the Ravens was traded to Arizona during this one. And at the maybe your take 25 minutes ago would have been a little bit different than it is now. But Hollywood Brown being traded there, and then we'll talk about Hopkins here in a second. Maybe you want to hint at that one as we're going. But Hollywood Brown traded there and was uh, an auxiliary piece, and now it's Mr. Necessity with with Hopkins missing the first six. What uh, what was your original reaction to this one? I know you're a Hollywood Brown fan with the Ravens. Now, is that, uh, is that going to continue on? And maybe you want to talk about the pedigree, pedigree sorry, with uh, the collegiate quarterback there as well. Yeah, you know, while we're seeing a trend of a, like so many receivers going back to their collegiate quarterback and um, the ones that we have seen, it's been successful so far. So hopefully that trend continues with Hollywood Brown here. Um, and honestly, like even before the DeAndre Hopkins news, I liked it. After the DeAndre Hopkins news, I am really into Hollywood Brown in Arizona, especially those first six games. Um, there's no reason why he shouldn't be successful with his former college quarterback. He knows him. They both know each other, right? And then to go along with that, I think I'd rather have the second option in Arizona, if he's a good option, like Hollywood Brown level option over the first option with the Ravens. Um Kyler throws it more. Yeah, he scrambles a lot and maybe takes some red zone targets away, but so does uh, Lamar Jackson. And Lamar doesn't throw it as much when he scrambles. He's more likely to run it. So I think that that matches up a little bit better in that I think Hollywood is, is going to have a better season than he has with the Ravens so far. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to him with the, the Cardinals here this year. Um, not going to say he's going to be the number one when Hopkins is back because Hopkins is a is an elite receiver when he's healthy and playing. But uh, I think Hollywood, uh, as long as Hopkins is out, he's the guy in Arizona. I think he's like he's 24. He's got lots of juice left in him. AJ Green is not the receiver he once was. He's going to be tertiary to to Brown and Hopkins and. And then you look at uh, who else do they have there? Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore. Well, I I might be a little worried about Moore, but you traded for Brown. Like yeah. he's he's going to get the touches over Moore, but Moore is more of a, that sweep kind of guy, anyways, right? Like he's not 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 the same type of speedster that Brown is. Like Brown's a deep threat speedster, whereas uh, Moore is more of that uh, jet sweeps and and uh yak yardage kind of speedster guy i think brown's gonna be a nice little addition to uh redraft teams where you can pick him up i don't know probably in that fifth round range <laughs> and then you're gonna be able to sell him high after the probably the first three four weeks you can hold on to him a little bit longer too who knows how hopkins comes back after a uh, six week um vacancy but that might be a guy that you'll be able to get in the fifth round and sell for for a first or second round product uh, type wide receiver, you know, like a, a true one. So you can win a couple of weeks and, and try and sneak that one out there. That's somebody that I think I'll be targeting in some redraft to be able to try and flip, flip a couple of weeks in. Um, speaking of which, so we're talking about some picks here that we like. Um, and we'll, we'll start with Zach. So this one is our, our favorite pick of the draft. Maybe not necessarily for obviously our teams. Uh, Zach can't really say much because I don't think he has a favorite pick because <laughs> the Pats kind of, Took a deuce on the draft. <laughs> I was like bugging Zach because they always walk away with Alabama guys in the first two first two rounds. But uh, uh, Zach, let's hear uh, let's hear your favorite uh, takeaway from this draft. What's your favorite pick? 
So on like a, an NFL offense, defense uh, spectrum, the Nicobe Dean pick in the third round to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, seems like a slam dunk. Um, there were yeah. reports there on Friday night that uh, he is dealing with some injuries that uh, he may have neglected or, or pro- possibly taken a, a contrary approach to getting them repaired. But um, since then, it sounds like he'll be good to go for, for camp in the next couple of months. So if that shakes out, I think that's a real steal. But uh, fantasy-wise, I think my favorite pick was Sky Moore. Uh, going 54th overall to the to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, most mock drafts or big boards that you looked at pre-draft had Sky Moore going uh, before, I think, uh, 54th overall. He was definitely a top 50 pick, so maybe a little bit of a slide there, just, you know, four picks. But um, if he doesn't hit this year, I think he has a very good chance to hit next year. Obviously, the Chiefs do not have uh, Tyreek Hill on the team anymore. Um, but right now, their depth chart would look like in some combination, in some order of McCool Hardman, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez, Valdez Scantling, um, the ghost of Josh Gordon, and then a whole lot of guys that nobody's really ever heard of. But just Justin Watson. Uh, that a that ghost or is that <laughs> Justin Watson, you mean? <laughs> oh, the Josh Gordon. Good call. Um, so um, while the depth chart may at the moment look a little uh, top heavy uh, with Sky Moore having to fight for targets, uh, keep in mind, McCole Hardman is a free agent after this year. And Juju, while he signed this offseason, he only signed a one-year contract. So one or both of those guys could be gone next year. And I think uh, Sky Moore and uh, Scantling, they, they play very opposite uh, styles. So I think Sky Moore is wheels up in KC. Um, great route runner, really strong hands, uh, probably a little quicker than fast, more agile than deep speed. So Somebody that I could, I think could work the uh, the Z or the Y spot in that offense. So I like Sky Moore a lot uh, as a good fit for the team, but also really good value for the team. Yeah, I, I when I looked at the docket there, I was like, oh yeah, Zach, I think he's snaking on that one. I like I like Sky Moore quite a bit. I think uh, I think he hit the nail on the head. You might not see that massive production this year, but that's a guy that could step into a role pretty quickly in year two, year three type uh, type situation. So I like that one a lot. Um, but my pick, I like this one quite a bit because um, he was he was high on my board because I think he is a highly talented prospect. Um, and it was one of those ones where where is he going to land? And there's a couple other places that I think would have been a nice landing spot for him to potentially have the, you know, the Pat Fryermuth type year one breakout. Um, but I'm more or less, I like this guy because um, you're going to be able to get him, you know, maybe the back end second round. Where last year, if you're trying to go for that tight end one, you're paying up in top five picks to get Kyle Pitts. Uh, but I like the I like the landing spot for Trey McBride. Zach Ertz uh, is long in the tooth for the NFL. Uh, he's signed an extension with Arizona, but 
Uh, if you've paid attention to football in the last five years, you watch Zachary's tape from five years ago to, to now. Uh, he's lost a significant step, and he's more of a red zone type target than, than anything else. And uh, they run a lot of two tight end sets. Well, I guess maybe not two tights, but that Wesley, um, he fits a very tight end type body style. I think he's actually listed as a wide receiver, but he plays very much like, uh, like a tight end uh, for Arizona. So I like Trey McBride coming into here because he's going to get you cheap. And I'm not expecting huge things from him year one, but I'm expecting year two, year three, when Ertz is on his way out. Um, so I am going to be targeting Trey uh, McBride quite a bit in my rookie drafts on that back end second. Um, and if I don't get him, I'll be looking to even maybe buy him even lower next year. Cause I think people are going to be disappointed with the name and maybe a lack of production because he is going to be sitting behind um, Zach Ertz this upcoming season. But that is a team that likes to target the tight end and it's a young team with a good quarterback. So that's a good little recipe for, uh, for some potential production at the tight end position. And that's what we're all trying to track down. We're all trying to track down the next kit of next Kittle, the next Kelsey, the next, you know, those, those big names that we can try and get uh, on your roster. Cause we know that having a premier tight end helps you be successful and uh, sets a position of need, obviously. So uh, I like Trey McBride. I like the landing spot. That was somewhere where we talked about, you know, Zachary's getting traded for Philly. I think that'd be a good landing spot. Landing there, he had success. Trey McBride could have very similar success as well in the, in the next couple of years. So that's that's my pick. Armin, I see you got two here. Which one are you gonna Which one are you gonna go with? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm I, I want to talk about both, but I'll I'll be quick and concise here. All right. Um, I'm gonna start with my my later pick at five point eight, the hundred and fifty verse pick. Uh, Tyler Algiers going to Atlanta and that one seemed insignificant until um, I think it was this morning right that Mike Davis was released yeah and then suddenly to me I'm starting to see him as potentially being the guy in that backfield that they drafted they were wanting to target him or someone like him and they got him in the fifth which is later but it kind of gives me Alvin Kamara type vibes um with he's not extremely fast like Camaro tested slow in the combine so did Algiers um they run similar in that they have good contact balance um they run hard they cut well but they're not like super shifty and they can catch really well Algiers is actually an underrated pass catcher um when I started looking into him deeper today and I I like it as a dart throw um, being a fifth round pick. He could be a guy that you could take later in drafts and could potentially have Kamara upside with um, the tools that he has in his toolbox and where he landed with Atlanta and Davis being cut and the other running backs being Cordell Patterson, who should be more of a wide back like Debo Samuel and, uh, and then uh, uh Damian Harris Williams. Um, the my main one though is James Cook um, to Buffalo at the two thirty one second round thirty first pick sixty third overall. I love this pick because he jumped up um, from like the sixth RB to like the third RB off the board, and his speed I think is going to kill in that Buffalo offense. If you look at their running backs as of late. Um, what it's been is they've just had trouble reading the holes and breaking out for, for chunk plays when, when they do, um, have the blocks and James cook is really good at reading the blocks 
and he has great acceleration and speed. Um, we talked about a pre-draft. He doesn't break tackles a lot and stuff like that, um, but he has great vision and he has great speed, which is more of what Buffalo needs out of their running back because they are able to open the holes. They just need a running back who can see them. Talking about great vision. Uh, <clears throat> great vision will be able to produce is you're going to catch me wearing 22 fresh this upcoming summer. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, stylish hats, stylish clothing, nice apparel. I'll tell you the vision will be 2020 if you see me walking down the streets in 22 fresh gear there. So um, very, very happy to have 22 fresh as a major sponsor this upcoming season. Uh, they're going to be pumping out some stuff for us with a uh, charity league. Um, all of our uh, different uh, charity options we're doing throughout the season this upcoming year. Uh, they're going to be uh, obviously a major sponsor, and they're very happy to produce some products for us for that. So we're very happy about that. And and we got to get these guys in some 22 fresh gear because uh, uh, major sponsor this year. If you want to look good with obviously Armin's going to be talking about vision here. Uh, that's what we're going to be focused on is how good you look in 22 fresh gear this upcoming year. So uh, if, you're, if you find yourself down in Regina, be able to get down to 22 fresh. Uh, check out their uh, store location. If not, find them on 22fresh.com and be able to order online as well. So 22fresh, thank you very much. Major sponsor this year. Looking forward to this partnership and I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity. So um, talking about thankful for some opportunities here. We got some some risers and fallers of the draft. Some guys are going to be super happy where their positions are following the draft. Some guys that were a little bit more disappointed on. And, and I'll start this one off uh, with my riser. And uh, I think this guy, uh, I think, needs to get a little bit more credit because uh, he's been very successful in the NFL. He's had one off year uh, due to injury. Uh, and I think that's the big knock for this guy. And that was why I think a lot of, a lot of uh, fantasy owners thought, um, or I guess even draft analysts thought, that this team was going to go after a running back. And there are some connections to some, some big name running backs early on in the draft, too. Um, and, and they didn't take a running back until I think it was late, late six. I'll talk about him in a second. But my biggest riser is James Conner. And I think he's disrespected and uh, nobody walked away with, uh, with a, a better uh, position to have the lockdown role than James Conner. Um, if you, I'm going to list off a couple names here and you can tell me when you want to stop throwing up. Uh, we got Eno Benjamin. Uh, yeah, you can start puking from that point on because it doesn't get any better. Jonathan Ward, uh, Jalen Samuels. Uh, end of list other than two rookies that uh, were taken in the sixth, seventh and UDFA. So uh, James Conner, there's literally zero competition for him in that backfield in a really, really competitive team. And James Conner had a huge year last year. I think he had 14 touchdowns or something near that. Uh, he had did excellent work in the receiving game uh, and, and it wasn't many times he was stopped in the goal line for rushing touchdowns. So this is a guy that I'm going to be targeting in drafts significantly. You can get him relatively cheap in dynasty leagues. And uh, I think his ADP right now, I think is like the back end, middle, back end or middle second round pick, which I think is just a disgrace because he's got round one upside. I think he's got, like you're talking about guys with like uh, Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be obviously in the 101, 102 conversation, uh, CMC, Dalvin Cook. And then after that list, there's not many other guys that uh, have the upside like uh, James Conner with absolutely zero competition. The only thing that can bring him down is injury. Um, but right now, I think he's a guy that I am all in on this season because it's his backfield and there's zero competition to come from it. So the one thing I will say, it hurts my soul to say no competition because their six round pick was, I think it was Ingram and he's a USC guy, which hurts my feelings to talk about USC <laughs> like that. But uh, 
this is James Conner's backfield and there's nobody taking that from him. So he's, he's got, he's got more upside than any running back. I think, especially leaving this draft for a guy that's been, has disrespected and talking about losing his starting role. So that's my, that's my riser uh, following the NFL draft. He's going to be this year's James Conner, Chris Carson for you, isn't he? No, you don't say that. You don't say that. <laughs> you don't put that juju on me. Armin, you want to talk about your riser? Yeah, I'll give my riser a go here. Um, I win with Traylon Burks. I mean, what more vote of confidence can you have than being the guy who's being comped to A.J. Brown and then the team that owns A.J. Brown trades A.J. Brown for the pick to pick you? I mean... Would you say, Zach, 103 vacated targets? Uh, 105. Yeah. Yeah, like... Burks has been compared to him this whole draft process. And then he walks right into the role that AJ Brown held in that Tennessee offense. Um, he's young. He's, he's going to be a stud. We were talking highly about him before the draft. And in my mind, um, if I'm in redraft, he's probably the rookie ride receiver that I'm targeting in redraft first. Um, and then dynasty, an argument could be made for him to be going some guys might choose to pick him before any of the other wide receivers just for that instant production. Right. Um, and he'll probably have the, the better of, of the first few seasons compared to the other guys. When you look at where they landed, um, like uh, Wilson to the jets, they still got to figure their stuff out. Like they weren't anything special last year. Wilson might help them a lot, but uh, it also, it's supposed to be a run first team as well. Right. <clears throat> um, and then uh, who is the other ones? Jamison Williams to the lions. There's going to, they're in a rebuild there as well. Right. Uh, just Burks goes into the best situation um, out of all, all the top end receivers. Um, also Drake London too, right? Like they're, they're in rebuild mode. He doesn't have the, the talent of QB that Burks is going to have this year not that Tannehill is top tier or anything but he's proven to to be give rely a, a single reliable wide receiver which should be Burks this year wouldn't be a wouldn't be an episode without doing Detroit Lions talking you brought it on to me here talking about Jameson Williams but I that's a sneaky good offense like look look on paper that's a sneaky offense you got Jameson Williams get him back healthy he arguably should have been the wide receiver one in this draft class I know Zach you've talked about him more yeah. than enough times that if he was healthy, he was the wide receiver one, no brainer. So he comes yeah. even close to what he was. That's an unbelievable blue chip prospect. And you got a Monterey St. Brown coming off a huge, huge season. You got the big body wide receiver, DJ Chark. You got DeAndre Swift in the backfield with a nice little Jamal Williams kind of coming in as the one two punch. Obviously, Swift carrying a lot of the load. You got TJ Hawkinson. Like that's a sneaky little offense. It's just if Jared Goff could maybe just, just take that little leap, you know, a little bit of an upgrade, I think. Uh, that's it's sneaky i think it's sneaky it's gonna be underrated and i and that's not even just the the lions goggles on right now check out twitter i think people are feeling the buzz a little bit you know like the weapons are good but like you said banking on golf taking the next step is is pretty tough when he's been given so many years to take that next step we've seen him support some massive fantasy seasons though he had the cup and they had the woods big year i think zach had I think yeah, that was the year you had um, rode him off in the championship. I think that was the year you, you played me and you'd even start a kicker 
no pick. <laughs> he waxed me so hard on the Thursday nighter. <laughs> it was sick, but we've seen him. We've seen him support what fantasy weapons before. So I mean, get a little confidence in him in the Motor City. I, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe some things happen. But Zach, you want to talk about your uh, big riser? Uh yeah, for sure. But before I do that, I just want to say that I do agree with your your uh, your sentiment there with the Lions. I think we would be hard pressed right now to come up with. I want to say 10 teams that have a better uh, set of skill players than the, than the lions. And I do agree. Um, I think golf is the one thing on offense. That's really going to be holding them back uh, and expecting a year seven breakout. That is uh, it's asking a lot. So there's, there's some people saying that we should go after Baker Mayfield. That I mean, that's one of the same, but Hey, <laughs> Imagine what they could do with a quarterback like Matthew Stafford. Imagine how good they'd be. <laughs> Super Bowl. Yeah, and then you don't have Williams because he used that pick, I think, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he used 32. Yeah, Armin was just chaffed about that. One. I, I like that one. Well, I think the, the Vikings got good got good, um, good draft capital in return, but it's not often you see a team climb that high in the first round without having to give a first-round pick, so I was quite happy with that. You know that that Minnesota strategy was was weird though. How many like, times they trade back? Like four times, four picks in a row. I don't know, but it was all to division rivals <laughs> to help them get the the skill players they wanted. Yeah, yeah. They traded. That was the pick that uh, Watson went to, right? Yeah. yeah, it was Watson and Williams. It was like what? <laughs> what? Oh, Just getting well. dusted by those two for the next five years. Yeah. yeah, the two fastest receivers in the draft are now in my division. It's... Yeah, absolutely dunking on you. Yeah. Perfect. All right, Zach Fowler, let's hear Or Sorry, Riser, sorry, let's hear it. All right, so not that he wasn't already near the top at his position, but I think Jalen Hurts uh, got a huge boost this weekend. Um, not only did they obviously secure A.J. Brown um, at receiver for him, this year, a true number one, uh, a bona fide number one. Um, I don't, I don't uh, think lowly on uh, Devonte Smith, but I think AJ Brown is a like a dan- like a dominant uh, number one receiver. So I think between him and Smith, he got a good one-two punch. And then they also secured in the second round Cam Jurgens, center out of Nebraska. Um, he's somebody that if he doesn't start this year, uh, somewhere along the interior offensive line, um, I would assume he starts next year when, uh, Kelsey retires. So they went and get, and got two impact players, um, in the draft that, that will help, uh, hurts this year and going forward into the future. Um, if you look at the targets from last year, uh, I've, I've already mentioned them, but, uh, Smith had 104, and then the next closest receiver had 62. So I think there's a lot of room there for their passing game to open up. And I could see both Smith and Brown uh, eclipsing 100 targets. And uh, I think that's going to open up uh, not only the passing game for Hertz, but potentially the running game as well. So um, Hertz is somebody that I would be pretty confident in uh whether it's redraft or or dynasty this fall yeah i like it 
He was uh, – do you think, though – so here's the thing. If he underperforms this year, do you think they use their first next year on a Q, or do you think they kind of keep rolling with him as their second-round Q and, and build more weapons around me with the defense? Because, I mean, that offense isn't going to get much better. Here, that's a really good question. Um, I think, like, a, I want to say three or four weeks, like a month before the draft, they traded um, – because they had three firsts in yeah. this past – like this most recent draft um, – off the top of my head, I cannot recall who they traded one of those firsts to. Um, for some reason, the Saints kind of yeah, stand was the out Saints, in my mind. The Saints went in front of the Chargers. Okay, so they traded to the Saints. So now they have two for or they have like two or three firsts next year, which puts them in a really good spot, I think, to potentially move up um, to get one of those quarterbacks, whether it's uh, Stroud or uh, Young. Well, and think the Saints the could stink this year. They could just literally be a top five pick just because of the Saints. Like, there's no yeah, guarantee absolutely. the Saints are going to be any good this year, you know? Like, that's a tough division, and you still have a carousel of Q. There, there's no guarantee they're going to be any good. So uh, Absolutely. So If, if you're they, a fan uh, of Philadelphia, you're laughing right now. Last they put themselves years. in a really good spot, I think. Yeah. Both in the short-term and in the long-term. And that's the thing. If Hurts is the guy, you got three first-round picks to build your roster on next year, too. You got a top five pick, you could – sell that top five pick to QB and any team and I keep adding like, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, it, it could be never ending. And this is all started from that Carson Wentz trade. Like it's just, yeah. If you're a Philadelphia fan, you, you got no complaints right now. It's been, it's been a pretty good year for you guys. Um, I'm going to talk about my, uh, my faller here. And this one sucks because I am very high on this player. I do like, I like him because I like watching him. Uh, he's a Canadian as well. So that always adds to the fuel, the fire, but what makes it worse is that he's on a couple of my fantasy teams, which makes everything worse, I guess. Uh, but my father is Chase Claypool, wide receiver of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So off of his huge uh, rookie season, we had some couple really big boom games. Uh, people were really high on him, uh, huge prospect, uh, kind of a, almost, a, almost a no-miss opportunity in that second-year breakout. And he had a, a significantly down year. Deontay Johnson stepped up in a big way. Big Ben's arm was pooched I guess for a lack of better terms um but then you saw a loss of Juju so that was an opportunity for him to step into vacated targets and he didn't do so and then you saw a breakout of Pat Fryermuth. so Chase Claypool is kind of the outside looking in uh but then Pittsburgh did him real dirty because they made him announce the actual pick of his potential replacement so Chase Claypool steps up to the podium and announces that uh that they're going to be drafting the George Pickens so um it did him dirty first of all uh, but they're in a situation now where they drafted Kenny Pickett and they also are rolling into the season with, I, I'm not going to call it QB carousel, but they have Mitch Trubisky, which by all accounts could be an upgrade from Big Ben from arm strength perspective. Uh, we've seen him support a wide receiver one in the past, obviously when he was in Chicago, but now you got Kenny Pickett who could be playing for that starting position. Um, and then now you're going to be outside looking in, you know, Deontay Johnson's that target hog uh, who had a huge breakout season that's significantly earned the trust. From the franchise, I uh, got the second-year breakout of tight end Pat Fryermuth, who's very, uh, very promising. And then now you got this absolute mean streak, George Pickens, which fits that Pittsburgh mold. You know, you're mean, you're tough. That's what Pittsburgh likes. Um, so you're gonna be outside looking potentially for fourth or fifth in targets because Najee Harris, obviously, look how many receptions he had last year. So it was already gonna be a difficult year for Chase Claypool, and now with potentially them drafting your replacement, 
Uh, Chase Claypool stocks are, are going down in a hurry and, and they could go down even quicker as, as of week one, uh, you could step up to the plate and, and maybe get one target in week one, you know, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So if I'm a Chase Claypool owner right now, I'm going to try and sell high on his name value and, and how young he is because uh, I think he's 23, maybe 24 off the top of my head. I don't, I, uh, his, I don't have his age in front of me here, but uh, he's had one pretty good season. And then he had a really, really bad sophomore campaign. And, uh, and I don't think it looks very promising for him here uh, in his in his third year. Uh, so I'd, I'd be selling on high, selling high on name value and moving on and, and putting my chips in, uh, putting my chips somewhere else. He's 23. Yeah. And who's to say, you know, who's to say that he doesn't relocate out, uh, after his rookie contracts over and he has a breakout, but I'm not willing to sit for two and a half years for a possibility that he's a breakout. I mean, I could be sitting here next year eating crow that uh, Pickett rolls in and all of a sudden that's his favorite receiver, but the, um, I'm going to be taking the, the bet on probability here and it's looking pretty unlikely. So sell high on the name and, and put those eggs in a different basket. Like if your rookie drafts coming up and you can get a uh, back end first form is pretty unlikely, but you might be able to do a package deal of some sort to try and get uh, another young wide receiver or, uh, or some something of that sort, but or or you know go for the full rebuild and go for the twenty three draft class because I know that's the hot commodity. Everybody's all hot and bothered for the twenty three draft class too. So there's options out there, uh, but I would be trying to move on because uh, yeah, I, I I think it's gonna get uh, worse before it gets better. Speaking yeah. of uh, Pickens, did you guys see the video that uh, was making its rounds today of him at his house or him and his draft party when his name was announced? Nope. He's, uh, he's standing right in front of the TV. Um, he's wearing like a ski mask essentially. And, and he's got like a tucked in, like under armor type of performance shirt. And like, just the way he's standing, like poor posture. It looks like he has a gut. Like it looked like me, like standing in front of the TV as I'm like cooking supper, just like embarrassing, <laughs> like could not look any less attractive. <laughs> And uh, they announce his name and he's just, he's bobbing his head and everybody's going crazy, but he's just bobbing his head. Just gut punched out too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like me putting on some Under Armour performance gear. I'd look like a stuffed sausage link, I think. <laughs> uh, Armin, you want to talk about your uh, faller? I do, but first I, I got a rebuttal for you on Chase Claypool. Let's hear it. You said his 2021 season was bad. I'm just going to point out something. It was touchdown dependent. Um, in his rookie season, he had 870 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, and then 16 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Last year, he had a small regression in his receiving yards, but he still had over 800. He had 823, but he only had one receiving touchdown. And then he had more rushing yards though he had 63 rushing yards but no rushing touchdowns so he was really um held down in the red zone it looks like um teams must have been doubling him or something right emergence um, and then of the pat emergence Farmer. of pat fairmuth as a red zone target right um but <clears throat> you look at those stats it's not like he had an awful year it's just he didn't get many touchdowns and and all this was all done while on vacated targets. That was without Juju Smith-Schuster the entire season. So I think part of it too is everybody's burnt because like we remember last year when I was talking about my guys and I went Deontay Johnson, my guy, and the rebuttal was, well, what about Claypool? 
Claypool's got more upside, big body, touchdown guy. And I said, well, I'm going for the safety of the receptions and we're going for that. And Claypool, by all counts, I mean, I would, I would consider it a bust based on expectation, I guess. Maybe I wouldn't end up finishing wide receiver 40 on the season. I don't have the full ranks in front of me, but I don't even think he cracked the top 30. Yeah, he, he was expected to do more last year. Yeah. But it, he, he didn't play to the expectations that were put on him, but he did also meet his production minus touchdowns. There's also the discussion, too, that did he lose the – you lose the confidence in the coaching staff. You know, he had the little bit of the on-field issues and whether you want to buy into that or not, I guess, is, is your own decision. But <laughs> if that's the case and their, their drafting's replacement, I think they did him dirty by making him go up there to draft his replacement. <laughs> but, but maybe they are looking for that big body receiver because we've talked about Pickens and he's he's a tough, mean guy and and he fits the mold of what Chase Cooley, Chase Cooley could be, right? And Mm-hmm. you're me you're waiting at least two years to see him on a new squad if they if they let him walk after his rookie contracts up then you're hoping for a good landing spot you're hoping for a connection it could be three years before we see chase claypool become what we were looking for right and by that point I, i've moved on long before then i hope you're wrong I, I hope i'm wrong too i own him in a lot of leagues but i'm still gonna try and sell him regardless just to i'm keeping him cover my cover my bets but let's uh let's hear your faller there armin Oh, hey, mine, it pains me to say it because it's it's not based on performance at all. It's just dumb bad luck for this guy. Chris Carson, he's my draft day faller. I originally had Kenneth Walker in there, and I was like, no, he got drafted second round. He's not a faller. He got drafted where he should be to a team that loves to run the ball. Um, That's telling me that the Seahawks are not very confident that Carson is actually going to be able to come back from his neck injury. Um, neck injuries are serious things, right? It's, it sucks that he got a neck injury and you don't want to mess with that too much. And the fact that uh, like, I read some stuff on him and he's like quoted and not like not full speed yet. Right. Like he's hesitant yet and stuff like that. Just, um, it doesn't sound like he's trying to be positive in his statements, but you can also kind of see that like there's a lot of question marks there. Um, and so the Seahawks drafted what I thought could be possibly the best running back in the class. Him and Brees Hall are kind of A and B there at running back one. And then they got Penny who broke out last year. So it's, Sorry, Chris Carson, but I think you're on the outside looking in, and it it sucks to say, especially for Jordan, because he he was Jordan's guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this as I share my two cents. Me staring into a rainy window as I'm driving down the highway. Um, I think honestly, I don't know if Chris Carson plays another snap of football, and that kills me to say because I am a huge Chris Carson. I love the guy. I love the way he plays the game, but. He's, you hit the nail on the head, neck injury. He's been, it's been a chronic neck injury. Had to have to have surgery on it. Um, I, I don't know if he plays football again. And, and, uh, and you said you were a little bit concerned about Rashad Penny, but signed the one year, I think it was $3 million, $4 million deal. There's very little investment, not like a, a second round. I think it was like second round, fifth overall or something like that. It was pretty early in that second round. And obviously a, um, a, a draft day prospect that you were very, very high on Armand. And I think we were all pretty high on, and, and you said, if he can get that receiving work going on, he's a clear cut uh, first, first overall pick for you in rookie drafts. So um, I, I think, I think all, I think both those guys are outside looking at it. And Kenneth Walker, that's his, his position to step in day one, I think. 
Zach, do you want to share your uh, faller? Sure. Uh, my faller for, for this upcoming season uh, is Rondell Moore. Um, and this one might, um, actually, I might change, I might change my mind on this in a couple of days, who knows? Um, so <laughs> the news broke this morning that, uh, Hopkins is being suspended for, for six games and everything that I've read, uh, today indicates that, um, he is not going to, uh, appeal the suspension. So it looks like he's out for, for six games, the first six games of the season, um, but before the Hopkins suspension, um, I was looking at the depth chart in Arizona and I saw the likes of, of Hopkins of the newly acquired Hollywood Brown and father time, AJ green, and then Zach Ertz as well. Um, and then way at the bottom, I saw Rondell Moore last year's second round draft pick for the Cardinals. Um, on the season last year, uh, Moore finished tied for um, tied for fourth on the team in targets, as well as uh, fourth on the team in receptions. So, or that can't be right. Sorry. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, well, um, so, Hopkins didn't really play last year much. Yeah, so. he was also mostly. Yeah, he missed, I think, seven games, but more missed <laughs> the last three or four games as well. Um, so I'm taking that into account too. But um, so still, though, uh, AJ Green outproduced uh, more, both in targets, receptions, and in yards. Uh, Christian Kirk, however, is gone. So that's like 103 targets and 77 receptions out the window. But you would assume between a healthy Hopkins and a healthy Hollywood Brown, the two of those would absorb a lot of those targets. But now with Hopkins being gone, um, that's kind of up in the air. So I don't, I don't know what to make of Rondell Moore. Uh, him and Hollywood Brown, to me at least, they physically, they're very similar. Uh, both five foot nine, uh, between 170, 180 pounds. Uh, both are small guys that rely on athleticism to get open. Neither are going to bully their way open. Uh, both can be used at or near the line of scrimmage. Both can be used uh, plays in the backfield. And I think uh, Moore does have the speed to make some deep shots. So um, I think they, they might have just traded for a better souped-up version of Rondell Moore, who has a connection with their quarterback. So to me, Rondell Moore is somebody that is sliding down the depth chart and hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully uh, he's able to make a name for himself this year uh, while Hopkins is gone. Do you think it's worth, do you think it, uh, it's worth the risk of a buy low right now in dynasty? How low is buy low? Wow. I mean, everybody's rookie drafts are coming up right now. So say like uh, back end first, early second. Uh, I, I don't think I'd go that low or I don't think I'd go that high. If I could do like a like a later second, I would. But I think if you look at whether it's one QB or Superflex, I think there are a lot of guys that you would that I would want before more. Like off the top of my head, in no order, I'm definitely taking Hall and Walker at running back. Uh, the receivers I'm taking before him would be Williams, Olave. Uh, 
the old receiver out of New York. Um, Wilson. Burke. Wilson. Burke. Wilson, yeah. London. Uh, Burke. Uh, London. Dodson. Uh, I, I think so. Just because Try you're more. looking at. More. With like Watson, you're looking at, uh, you know, that, that receiver room is the opposite of what Arizona has. That skill, like that receiver room might be the worst in the NFL, honestly. <laughs> So true. <laughs> like that's, that's an easy uh, spot to get targets. I think, even though he is transitioning from a, a lower level. Pickens? So there's part of me. Pickens. Uh, I, I think so. Um, John Dodson. That one would be. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, so now we're now we're already into. And then you throw in a couple of cues in there. We're already into middle second round. Yeah, so then, like, if it's super flex, you're certainly pick it's going to go. Um, obviously, I look like a real fool taking uh, uh, Willis 1-1 in our little <laughs> activity there last episode, but I was really, uh, like, I was shocked that he fell as far as he did, and I thought that draft capital would be there to make him worthy of that spot, so. We were talking to him 102, possibly. Like, it was – like the lines were rumored to take him at one Oh two. It was, that was yeah. a fall from grace is unbelievable. So I think in like in super flex, you're looking at picket for sure in the first and then, you know, maybe like late first, early second, maybe guys like uh, Carol and Riddler, but or Ritter, but I don't know if you can go that early on those guys, but yeah, like we said, you're, you're early to mid second with, with the guys that we listed. And that's not even, the likes of uh of cook in buffalo as a potential kind of uh dart throw there so i i think though this year's rookies are, are certainly better than or at least have more potential right now than rondell moore especially because he's just so buried on the depth chart yeah Okay, um, I guess we'll wrap this one up here with uh, it is Armin's turn for ice cold hot take. I'll do the old drop and we'll see what uh, Armin got to share with us. If there's one thing I know, Armin definitely had the spiciest of the hot takes last year. So I'm really excited to get the trend going here and see what Armin has to say for uh, for this one. So here we go, Armin. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire. All right. Um, so my ice cold hot take. Let's start with uh, with a few questions here. So who are the top three QBs taken off the, the board in the draft? Pickett, Ritter, and Willis. Was it Willis third? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, Pickett went in the first round, and then Ritter went in the third, right? And so did Willis. The Ritter's early third, and then Willis was late third, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> On the whole so, time. I have the draft from, I guess I could look. Yeah, I, I just pulled it up again. I was trying to find it on my sheet, but I couldn't. Yeah, so Ritter was third. Willis was third as well. So year one, which QB is going to have the most productive season, do you think, out of those three? Year one? For me, it's a toss-up between Pickett and, uh, and Carroll, if Carroll can start, and I think that – that quarterback room, that quarterback competition is is wide open in Carolina. Right. So pick it, Carol. And what about the years after that, though? 
who who in the next five years is going to be the best do you guys think uh, I think that really hinges on uh, next year's quarterback class. I think if Atlanta sucks, which they have all the makings of being a real stinker of a team, I think they're prime candidates for uh, for an early quarterback, Sa- similar for, for Carolina. All they're right. in a real downer of a spot too. All right. So you're saying then it would probably be Willis or Pickett? Uh I yeah, I think so. Take yeah. it for sure. Willis, Willis might be waiting a bit because he's waiting. The only way he gets in is an injury to Tannehill, I think. Yeah. So here's where I'm going is I'm going for years two to five. Desmond Ritter is going to be the most productive QB from this class. Not next, not this coming year. Um, he's not going to come out as the number one, I don't think, but he'll, he, I think will steal it from, uh, from Mariota because we haven't seen much from him. Um, as the season goes on and then next year he'll end up being the starter <clears throat> now um what was desmond do you guys remember what desmond ritter's weakness biggest weakness was from his draft profile if you don't i can just say but do you guys remember off the top of my head i can't remember all right so he's a pretty a- or a pretty athletic qb right he's a great leader the biggest knock against him was his accuracy that's what i thought yeah. Um, who are his top two targets in Atlanta? Drake and Pitts. Yeah, Drake and Pitts. Two big guys who will be able to catch contested balls and win those 50-50 balls, right? Now, I'm not saying Desmond Ritter is going to be an extremely accurate QB, but with his rushing upside and the fact that he has – two extremely good contested catch weapons at receiver, I think he could end up being very productive and enough that he will outshine Pickett and Willis for the first or from years two to five um, based solely on that. Um, Willis, he's in the Tennessee Titans offense. And yeah, you say he's got that upside. He's going to be a rushing QB. Um, but if I don't rec- if I recall correctly, um, not to the same level that Willis is, but Tannehill is supposed to be a, a QB that can rush, right? Um, and run the ball. And he's supposed to be athletic. So Willis will be more productive than Tannehill. But I don't think in that offense, um, with it being such a run heavy offense that he is going to be um, as productive as Ritter with the weapons and the rushing upside that Ritter has. And then Pickett um, in, with the Steelers, um, he has lots of weapons and everything, but he doesn't have the same rushing upside that the other guys do. And the Steelers aren't that type of team to have designed runs for their QB. Um, and then if you take into effect Carl, um, I, I just, I don't see it in Carolina. I, I just honestly don't. So I'm going with Ritter. Ritter for the years two to five. Very plausible. I'll play. It's not <laughs> like it's like out, totally out to lunch there. Like it's, he was one of my favorites. And I mean, we didn't really see any sort of draft capital given to any of the quarterbacks other than Pickett. So, I mean, Pickett's, he's kind of locked in. He's got the, the obviously the fifth year option. So we're going to see Kenny Pickett for the next handful of years possibly especially if you can win that starting role but everybody else it's 
Like there's no guarantee, there's no fast track for them to being a starting quarterback in the NFL. So it's, no. it's a hot take, but I think it's a, it's a definitely a possible possibility because uh, I, I did like his draft, his draft prospect, but uh, obviously NFL may have had a different opinion. Yeah. I was checking out uh, the, the contract on Tannehill just now and uh, to see when he was a free agent and to see what Willis's uh, waiting time could be. So for the year 2022, Tannehill has a, like, good for him, $54.4 million dead cap with a 38.6 cap hit. Oof. Like, he's not going nowhere. Ew. Base salary of $29 million. Um, but after this year, it drops significantly down to 18.8 cap hit. Um which still a huge sum of money, but we have seen teams uh, kind of absorb that type of number in the past. Uh, and then after next year, uh, the, the contract voids and becomes a free agent. So we're looking at one year for sure, maybe two years in, in Tennessee for Tannehill, um, where maybe, yeah, maybe Willis does develop. Um, I think that's kind of what Willis needed. And I think that's what a lot of people thought Willis needed was a year on the bench, a year learning the quarterback position after making that big jump. But uh, I do agree, Armand. I think I said it in the last episode. Uh, Ritter was my, my favorite quarterback in the class. So I could definitely see that happening. But I am concerned about uh, this season and they might be in that position where it is too good to, to pass up taking one of those uh, like blue chip five-star quarterbacks. Cause they're going to be top five worst teams in the NFL. You can book that. Yeah. That's where in, in the hot take, it, it probably needs to be that Ritter steals that starting spot and shines at the end of the season. They're going to be put in, in that, in that situation, they'd be the Philadelphia Eagle Jalen hurt situation where you got this, second and our obviously in our situation it's a third rounder but he starts producing it in a big way and it's like hey well you know what maybe we got our guy because that's the same position that philadelphia's put in was it two drafts ago where hertz came in in week 16 i think it was and started producing and they're like oh crap well do we roll with him or do we replace him and they ended up dealing wentz and then went in and now they didn't draft an under q this year and now they're in <laughs> we're still talking about it obviously this episode but now that, that would be the dream situation where you would where your hot take would obviously relish right yeah. And, and what I liked about it was just that he has weapons that make up for his weakness, right? Um, they're, they're contested catch guys. They're guys that if it's a bad throw, they're going to help make up for it. They got long arms, they're athletic, they can jump, right? They'll make up for the accuracy for him. Yeah. I like it. Anything to add to here, fellas, before we wrap this one up? Right on, right on. Thanks for listening to the episode number, what is this, episode number 47? Yeah. Uh, and they're coming fast and furious. Hard to believe we got there. Well, number 50 is coming up right away. It's crazy to believe. But thank you, uh, everybody, listening to episode number 47. Obviously, big thanks to 22 Fresh, our major sponsor of the year. And one more time, a congratulations to Mason Hawks taking home our draft day giveaway. Uh, but thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for the support on social media. Um, on behalf of Zach, Armin, and myself, take care, everybody. Talk soon. Thanks for the support.